As the wickedness of this world increases, we draw much closer to the return of Jesus. The wickedness is one way we identify the season. If it's winter, how do you identify spring? Don't you see leaves starting to come on trees and you know winter is over and spring is coming? We have the same thing described for us by Jesus. When you see certain events, you know we're drawing nearer to the return of Jesus. We certainly do not know the day or the hour that Jesus returns, but we can know the seasons. We can see when we're getting nearer. I believe we are getting nearer. It could happen in our lifetime, but even if it doesn't happen in our lifetime, we have to keep ourselves. Even if we live out a full life and then die, we certainly want to be in the position that we're going to be raised by Jesus and taken into heaven to live with him. Here are a few hopefully helpful hints for us. What's your life like? Do you come home terribly concerned and burdened and busy and fretful and angry? Are you just terribly overworked at whatever you do? If you do sit down to read the Bible or read a blog or read an exhortation or even to listen to this podcast, do you just feel like you have to rush on and get on with it? Does it bore you? We had a woman in our church group who started out, I thought, very spiritually minded. But she turned, after 39 years, into something else. I've seen it happen. I know it can happen. I don't know exactly how it happened with her, but I suspect... I might be on the track. At first, she was so excited about things of God. But what she became was this. I would call her to share with her something God had shown me. She would sit very quietly and say nothing. But if I spoke to her about a TV show, she would jump in and start excitedly talking. What did that show me? It showed me her heart had left the Bible and the things of God. And her real interest was in TV shows. It can happen. It can happen to any one of us. We don't want that to happen. Leaving your first love, Jesus, the Word. Remember what it was like when you were first born again? Can we remember that far back? I certainly remember. The Holy Spirit said to me, Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? 
those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, ah, sins. And when I agreed with God that those were sins, I was born again. My life was changed. I was recreated. I was going to go through constant recreation for the next 40 or 50 years by being changed over and over and over by conforming to Scripture. So it's a continual recreation, and we never really arrive, so to speak. It's continual as long as we live on this earth. But I certainly wasn't like the person I was before I was born again. I was so different after I was born again that a woman who knew me before I was born again witnessed me after I was born again, and she said, I think in you we have really seen a genuine conversion. You're different. That's what being born again is all about. You're different. Once we're born again, what about the next 50 years? Have we, do we leave our first love? There's a passage of scripture in Revelation where Jesus warned them that they'd lost their first love. They'd left their first love. And he warned them to return to it. Sometimes we feel a little bit draggy when it comes to reading the Bible. But I find that usually, if I will pray and ask God to help me, and read the Bible. There's something that catches my attention by the Holy Spirit. I think the starting point is prayer. If you want to do something spiritually and you sit down to read the Bible or you sit down to hear these podcasts or you sit down to read something like our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortation. If you do that, and you're just wanting to rush through and get to the point, you'll miss everything. You may as well not read. So let's get the condition of yourself in order before you try to read or listen. You need to get everything settled with God first. What is it that's troubling you? Where is your dread? Where is your fear? You need to sit down and pour out your heart to God about that specific subject. Before you try to read the Bible, before you try to listen to podcasts, before you try to read spiritual blogs. Get yourself in order. The time we do the best in reading the Bible or in hearing podcasts or in reading blogs is when we are at a complete state of peace. You may think, well, I'm never in a complete state of peace. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. 
What if you weren't on the earth? How would it get done then? But first of all, it's prayer that you need. You need to pray. You need to take each one of these things to God. Do I really need to do this? Do I really need to do what I'm planning to do? Do I really need to do that? And you need to settle your life in prayer with God, keeping yourself. Do I have anything I dread that's coming up on my calendar? I can tell you, very frankly, I do not. I had a couple of appointments coming up here, and I I had one changed. I had two of them changed, I think. To a later date. Neither neither of them were critical for me to do. Think about your life. Get yourself first. In a complete state of peace. Through praying to God. Earlier I was reminded of a scripture which I'll share with you. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But only one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You must get your heart settled with God. Are you troubled over your children? Prayer. Prayer. Trusting God. Praying through faith. Asking God for wisdom. Get a foundation. Feel a relief that comes from turning to God. When I turn to God with a trouble, it's almost like I feel a weight lift from my shoulders as I talk to God. That's the state we have to be in. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come unto me. How do we come to Jesus? Prayer. Talk to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. That's a promise of God. You go to Jesus and you pour out your heart before him. He will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. His yoke. Often we yoke ourselves to another way. We yoke ourselves to activities. We yoke ourselves to things that we think will make us look better in the sight of other people. Well, you're in a deadly spot if you've done that. You must get free from that. You might yoke yourself to the wrong idea or the wrong plan. You go to God and ask him and depend on him to show you what to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We make out lists of things to do. That doesn't mean we have to follow the list. It is not the gospel. And many times you try to cram even more into the list thinking, oh, I have time, I can do one more Aaron, I could do one more thing before I return home. And you wear yourself out and you come in your house and you're so tired. Leave that thing off. There are so many other directions to handle things nowadays. We have Amazon where we can order things that we would have never dreamed of ordering before. We have pickup at Walmart, where you can place your order ahead of time and drive up there, and they will load your groceries into your car for you. Some people like the excitement of shopping, and they don't want to do online things. In March 2020, it was a worldwide virus swept over the United States and other nations. And great alarm came about being in crowds. And they shut down basketball games. NBA closed out their whole season. Because of fear, the president stopped planes from flying from the United States to Europe. That's pretty serious. People rushed to the grocery store and bought toilet paper and paper towels. And the shelves were empty. You felt like you were in World War II. They even rationed those paper products so you could only buy a certain number at a time. Rationing in peacetime. Incredible, isn't it? I uh, live in the home of one of our church members. I'm 82. And I had an accident two years ago and was very badly injured and had surgery. She took me into her home and took my cat into her home. And Pam is just great to live with. She's very godly. She turns to God with things when she's making decisions. Recently, uh, she's also a very active person, extremely active. 
she's in her early 60s. I said to her just recently, you don't really have to go and go in the store and pick up those items like you've been doing. You can relieve some pressure by placing those orders online and picking them up at the drive-in. Sometimes you're the kind of person who likes the activity. I shared this once with a woman in Texas, and she said, oh, but I like to go in the store and look around. It's kind of an entertainment for some people. There are certain times that you may need to crawl deeper into your cave. But we have such advantage today, for we can do so much from home. We have deliveries that can come to us. We have, they can bring us things that we don't have to go out and get. And in the time when a virus is going all over the United States and world, certainly we don't want to live in the state of fear, but you should be wise in what you do. I told you I canceled an appointment, changed an appointment. It was a regular cleaning appointment for teeth. I can wait on that. I scheduled it about three months down the road. There is no reason to rush out there right now. See, doing some things that are wise, resting more, enjoying your family more by resting, taking a few things off of that list. Anyway, get, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. One time a woman asked me, don't you feel, don't you ever feel that you have to keep up with the Joneses? I thought about it and said, no, I don't believe I do. I realize that if you work out there in the world, you have to have clothing. God realizes that. He can help you. But putting too much pressure on yourself can be such a bad thing. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I've always found when I had the plan of God, it was easy to be entreated, not complicated, and not overly expensive. So if something is hard and very complicated and overly expensive, I've learned don't do that. Just back off and pray again. You don't have the plan of God. So we're going to first get our mind in a state of peace before we read the Bible, before we read the blog, before we do anything else spiritually. Pray and get yourself in condition. In Hebrews 10, we have an instruction. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Now that doesn't mean going to the Catholic Church on Sunday morning. You assemble yourself with like-minded believers. With people who really have faith. Talk to them when you're talking to someone. 
I've always known that you're with someone. We had a woman in our church group who lived in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I think it was. I was living in Texas. I knew she was talking to someone, but I didn't know who. We're all talking to someone from some time or another. Who is it you're talking to? Is it a like-minded believer who edifies you in the way of God? Or is it someone, a neighbor that is extremely worldly or a family member that's pretty worldly? You're going to take in all kinds of garbage if that's the person you've chosen to associate with. We assemble with people like us, people who believe God, trust God, and we're trying to go by the way of God, and we're setting ourselves by the Bible, the New Testament Bible especially. We're building our house on the Word of God. What are the people like that you're around? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, After my accident, I was forced, basically, to endure a certain amount of physical therapy. There was one therapist I really liked. She was from England, and it was such a joy to have her come to the house, and I I liked her very much. I didn't do very much. She never asked me to do very much in therapy. And finally, on our last session together, when the Medicare stuff ran out, on our last session together, I confessed a scripture to her. There certainly aren't many people today who believe this scripture, even in the churches. What I told her is, I believe what Paul said to Timothy. Bodily exercise profiteth little. There's not a whole lot of profit in bodily exercise. But godliness is profitable unto all things. She looked at me and said, I have really come to believe that. She said, I used to think I was a pretty good physical therapist, but as I have spent time in it, I have learned that once you just have enough time, the body kind of heals itself. And I said, that's exactly what I have found. In time, you're either all right or you die. There is a remarkable healing ability in our own body. I'm certainly not saying that I wouldn't go to a doctor if I had need of one, but if I don't have need of one, I don't go. In other words, I don't practice preventive medicine. That's my choice. I don't do it. But if I had need of one, I would go. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4. In verse 7, Paul said, But refuse profane and old wives' fables. You have to eat a certain thing. You can't eat a certain thing. Have you ever noticed that those people that lived 
1910. They didn't know of diets. They'd never heard of any of this. They ate what they could get. They ate cream. They ate gravy. They ate all kinds of things. They weighed more in those days. Now, how long did those people live, do you suppose? This is sort of kind of strange to me, but people think that they can be a vegetarian and live longer or eat a certain food or not eat a certain food and live longer or be a certain weight and live longer. Well, how much longer do they live? What's the average lifespan? I happened to see that a few years ago, the statistics in the United States. For women, I think it was something like 79 years, and for men, or maybe that was the men's, and 81 for the women. I'd already outlived both lifespan, life expectancies by government standards. They take an average. Those people who do these rigid things in food, they don't really live longer. How many of them lived to be 100? My mother lived to be 97. How many lived to be 100? Well, not too many. But they don't consider that. They just kind of go by Hollywood. And he's saying, refuse profane and old wives' fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. How do you exercise to godliness? Focusing on scripture. Praying. Focusing on scripture. God, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what should I eat? Asking God. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This therapist was telling me that she had come to the position that I really believe that bodily exercise does only profit a little bit. And I told her, I said, now the work you do is very valuable. Please don't think that it's not valuable because when a person is injured and they have a problem, you can teach them how to function in their environment with a cane, with a walker, with accessories that we don't have any idea how to use. So your work is valuable. But as far as going into a regiment of exercise to heal yourself, I, I don't do it. I choose not to do that. I was in therapy after my first accident. They made me do therapy because of Medicare in order to have the Medicare program for the, to be in the assisted living home. The therapist um, would tell me to do something, and I didn't fight him, but I did kind of play a game with him. He would be over there at the computer playing computer games while I, he was making me do 50 torture things. And I would say, oh, oh. And he said, now, Joan, I know you're faking. I'd laugh because I was. 
When I got ready to check out of the therapy program and leave the assisted living, he said his standard speech to me, which was, now most people, when they go home, they make one very serious mistake. They overdo. They try to do too much exercise, thinking they will get better, and they usually end up back in the hospital. And then he looked at me and said, I don't think I need to be telling this to you. And I said, no, you don't. Don't worry about me doing too much exercise. And he laughed. But it's funny because his whole thing was exercise, and yet he's warning me, be careful. Because most people think the more exercise they do, the better they'll get. And really, they put themselves back in the hospital by doing too much exercise. A lot of these things that they say are not really proven. Paul said, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. First Thessalonians chapter 5. How do we prove everything? We prove it by Bible. We prove it by the things the Holy Spirit says to us. Here in the Bible, we see that bodily exercise profits little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Let's talk about this being concerned about anything. Is there anything you dread? Is there anything that pulls you down? The answer is in Philippians 4, verse 6. The Apostle Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What do you want God to do for you in the situation that you dread? Well, the thing we need most is wisdom. And we have a promise in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So if you dread something on your calendar, what do you need? Wisdom. What to do about it? God promises he'll give it to you if you ask him in faith. I had a Church of Christ cousin she was about 97. Her husband had died 10 years earlier. And every time she talked to me, she told me the exact same story. She said, I do so well during the daytime, but at night I kind of fall down in the sense that I miss Charles and I get lonely. And I, and I said, Jean, if you would turn to God and just ask him to help you, help me through this evening, he would. Next time I saw her, she told me the same story. I finally just quit communicating with that cousin. She wasn't going to do the godly thing to help herself. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Giving thanks to God is a tremendously powerful spiritual warfare weapon. In my early days as a Christian, I didn't know anything much, much at all. And 
I was pretty seriously attacked by devils in the form of thoughts. I would go home and just get in bed and say, praise God, thank you for my salvation. And I meant it. Praise God, thank you for my salvation. Praise God, thank you for my salvation. And the attacks would end. The heaviness would lift, and I would usually fall asleep and rest a while. Thankfulness to God. Have you ever noticed that thoughts will come, negative thoughts about the person you live with? If you just turn to God and thank God for the positive things about that person, the whole thing will turn around. That's the devil trying to destroy us. This can be great help to us, thanking God. So Paul says, Let your requests be made known unto God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This is a mighty weapon, thanksgiving, for the things of God and for the goodness that we see in that other person. It can turn attacks of the devil completely around and we'll live in joy. The devil will absolutely eat you alive if you allow it. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, steadfast in the things God has told you. Because the main thing the devil attacks us in is the word of God. Did God really say that? Can you really believe that? That won't happen. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Every scripture that I've spoken to you today is printed on our blog under podcast. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the right-hand side of our blog, you will see podcast. Click on that. It will take you to this recording and all the scriptures that I've spoken to you today. The subject of the podcast is... Give yourself to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. The blog, again, the name of the blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortation. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.